my name's Tina Waldrum. I'm the host of this podcast. This show is all about giving you, the listener, actionable insights to share your faith. I interview church leaders and congregation members alike to gain some understanding that both you and I can implement to share Jesus. Every week I work hard to locate and interview someone who can share their experience. Can you do me a favour? Would you mind sharing today's episode with one or two people that you know? One or two people that would be encouraged, that would be helped by today's content. Just copy the link and send it on via text or email. I'd love to see more people encouraged to share their faith. Now let's get into this week's episode. Welcome to the Win Win Evangelism Podcast. My name's Tina Waldrum and today I'm speaking with Rodney Olson, who's in Western Australia. He is the host of the Bleeding Daylight Podcast and we're talking about the topic that evangelism is not selling a belief system. And this is going to be fascinating. Rodney's worked for years in radio, many, many years, and also with Compassion, but the Bleeding Daylight Podcast is outstanding. Welcome to you, Rodney. Well, thank you. It's great to have an opportunity to be here and chat with you. Always great to interview another podcaster. So this is so true. Evangelism is not selling a belief system, and we need to be mindful of that as believers. What does that actually mean for you, first up, Rodney? I think we need to be aware that whilst we certainly have a set of beliefs and and what we believe about God is important, Absolutely. But if we try and just sell that belief system to other people, they're not wanting to buy. It's not something that they're interested in in taking on board. And, and you'll certainly see the way that Jesus interacts with people. He interacts with people in various ways, whatever the situation really needs. So one of the most famous opportunities that he had to witness was with that that woman at the well and he goes and and he starts a conversation with her and and of course he knew all the 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 answers to the questions that he was asking but he develops this conversation he wants to hear from her where are you at because we know whenever we start with a, a contrary point of view that walls go up and and people will want to defend we feel it in ourselves if someone comes to us and starts telling us something that at that point we don't agree with our walls will go up and we go into that defense mode rather than, ah, let me hear what you think. Let's exchange views. And it's like, hang on, some of what you've said makes sense. Let's explore that further. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so important. Um, It's very exciting that you have interviewed so many people yourself and that theme comes out that we're not selling a belief system when we're talking about evangelism. And that's what I want to drill down on with you today, Rodney, is talk about some of those um, stories that you've unearthed yourself, that you've interviewed these people that really exemplifies what we're talking about. So let's talk about there's this guy in the US that runs a tea company. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about the story and how we're not selling a belief system. Well, Brad Hopp is a guy who runs Tashua Tea Company, and he runs that to help his friend Andrew. Andrew is working in an Asian country. He won't say quite where. It's it's a bit sensitive. But Andrew works in an Asian country to actually minister to people there, but also to release women from prostitution. So that's what he does. And so Brad set up this tea and and coffee company in the US, sells these products, and that finances it. But I had the opportunity to talk to Brad. He was one of these people that, that shared what's going on. And I guess one of the keys for me in talking to him was that 
he showed that God is real today. Because oftentimes, if we're just relying on a set of beliefs, we're going on, well, the scripture says this, the scripture says that, which has no authority to people who have not yet come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit that that is true. And so they want to hear, is it true or not? And I think especially for Aussies, we're, we're pragmatists. Does it work or doesn't it? And so in, in Brad's situation, there he is in the US, he's selling tea and coffee to, to fund the work of, of Andrew. And he tells one particular situation with Andrew. And I, I'm going to read from some notes because I want to get this right, because this is astounding. This tells that God is alive and active. He says, Andrew sat down with a brothel owner that he wanted to talk to and, and was trying to talk to about Christ. He'd been introduced to him and he was talking about the gospel, but the guy wasn't interested because he said, well, you know what? Things are fine for me. I'm making too much money. And as far as the women are concerned, I really don't care. So that's where they started. But fast forward to early the following year, and Andrew is having a Bible study with a bunch of students in his home, and they're talking about matters of belief. And then Andrew feels like the Holy Spirit is saying to him, go north. And it's like, well, okay, God, I don't know anyone north, but I'll go north. And the others in the Bible study said, yeah, look, we, we sense the same thing. And so there was about six or seven of them jumped into an SUV and they started driving and they go about 50 miles north. And then one of the others said, oh, hang on, I think we're meant to turn off here. And so together they're discerning what the Spirit is saying and they turn off and they went about 15 miles up this road until one of the others says, hang on. I think we're meant to turn back and go up that gravel track. So they turn back and they go up the gravel track and they went about three miles up there. So by now, they're in the middle of nowhere in an area in this country where they know no one and they pull up outside this huge house with these ornate gates and this 90-year-old man comes out and says, what's your business here? He wasn't too pleased that people were there. And Andrew's thinking, what do I say? How do I explain? Well, we're here because God told us and the Holy Spirit told us to turn here, here and here. So he's just trying to work out what to say. And at that moment, this guy's son-in-law comes out and he says, how the heck did you find me? And he says, I know that I know you, but I, I just can't connect it at the moment. Can you remind me? He says, yeah, you, you met with me in my office about a year ago. And he says, ah, yeah, you're the brothel owner. And I mean, this is where it gets interesting because they're sent into the middle of nowhere, not knowing what it's about. And suddenly there's this guy and the guy became a Christian. His whole family became Christians. They received their first Bibles on that night and were all baptized. And then they released all the women that were in that brothel. So that's a way in which we can say, you know what? There are stories. And he even mentioned the date when he was telling me this story. That's something that we can go to people with and say, look, Here's this story that's happening in the current day. And yes, of course, the scriptures point us to the fact that the Holy Spirit can speak to us, but this shows this is still happening in this day. And I think that that is a great aid to evangelism, to helping people understand there's, there's probably more to this world than you know. Unbelievable. And so, you know, thinking of the brothel owner now who originally is not interested in a set of beliefs in someone giving what they believe verbatim, line by line, quoting a few scriptures, but now actually sees a demonstration of how God moves. Very, very powerful, isn't it? It is. And, and I guess that's the theme that comes through on a lot of the episodes that I have of my podcast is it's people telling their real lived experience 
of how God continues to intervene in their lives, some going through some really difficult circumstances in life, and yet God showing up. And we use that phrase, God showing up, but we know he's there all along. He's there with us through the pain. But when we see the reality of that, that is something that people can't argue with. So when we start to share, this is my experience, and they say, aha, there's something in it, then we can lead towards the beliefs that the scriptures so clearly point out. Yeah, so do you think it's better to pray for opportunities for us to be able to uh, share an experience of how God is real and active in our life rather than trying to, you know, get into some theological debate? Well, even more than that, I think it's praying for the opportunity of how can I have a conversation with this person and be ready to hear what they have to say? I think sometimes as Christians, we can be afraid of hearing, well, what's your story? Because we just think, oh, well, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Rather than actually letting someone share their story, this is my experience. And then we wait for the Holy Spirit to to help us to come up with an opportunity to, to share into their life. And it's not this constant, okay, I'm hearing what you're saying, but all the time I'm formulating my idea of what do I say next? How do I, I win spiritual points in this? It's like, no, I want to hear. Uh, again, going back to that that instance of Jesus with the, the woman at the well, it's like, I, I want you to tell me some of your story. And she starts to tell some of her story and open up. And it's then that Jesus has the opportunity to say, you know, that Messiah that you're saying is going to come, it's me. And that's at the point where she suddenly realizes what's going on. And she just goes and tells everyone. And she's a brilliant evangelist. It's like, she doesn't go and say, this man told me the truth. It's like, this man told me everything about my life. He, he knows me. He, he got to know who I am, but he even knew more than that. Could he be the Messiah? And I love that too, that she doesn't just go in and say, here's the fact, he's the Messiah, but she drops that thought in their mind, says, because she already knows. She's come to that realization. But she says, do you think he could be the Messiah? Because she knows as soon as she says, I've met this man and he's the Messiah, then the defenses come up. But it's like, this is all that happened. This is a bit weird, isn't it? Do you think maybe, just perhaps, this guy's the Messiah and people start to think, aha, because they haven't forced their, their wall of defense to come up. They're ready to, to think about that and, and people come to know who he is. Yeah. So it's really having a questioning approach with people, truly trying to understand people's story. Non-confrontational on every level is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah. Like there are times at which we need to, to push back. But I think we go to that default far too quickly. I think most of the time to hear someone's story, to hear why they believe what they believe, uh, to, to hear what it is that has happened in their past that has led them to the point that they are now, to be able to assume the best in a person uh, and to know that, you know what, before we came to know Jesus, this is where we were. Uh, and we see Paul writing in his letters, you know, uh, before you came to know Jesus, this is what you were. And sometimes we need that reminder. I, I remember a, a quote that I read in an old Reader's Digest, I think it was many years ago, which said, an ignoramus is someone who doesn't know something that you learned yesterday. So often we think once we've learned something, it's like, how can they not know? It's like, well, a couple of days ago, I didn't know that myself. And we need to look back to that time as Paul instructs people, this is what you used to be. And I think it's a reminder to us, you know what? We were caught in our sin. 
we were caught without Christ. We were heading for a Christless eternity. So let's put ourselves back there and find out what has got this person in that place and and how do we draw them to that place where they accept Jesus as a hope for eternity. Yeah, absolutely. And it is so often that we want to um, (laughs) give a defence of the gospel fairly quickly and exactly like you've pointed out, but it's really neglectful, isn't it, to not think of your own story and think how long in many cases it took us to come to that revelation of who Christ is. And a lot of that is care for the other person because if all we have on our agenda is I need to get my set of beliefs across to you, That's showing I have something important. You don't let me tell you. When we start to see other people as created in God's image and yet not knowing him yet, then we start to say, I care deeply about this person and that's why I want to share my faith. Not to win brownie points, not to get more people in the church on Sunday, but to actually introduce someone to the living God. Mm, Absolutely. Amen. So if we had to complete that sentence, evangelism is not selling a belief system, but... How would you phrase that? But by loving our neighbours as we love ourselves. I I think the scripture is full of that. Uh, We see it in the Old Testament. We see it carry through to the New Testament. And many would say it's a distillation of the Ten Commandments. Uh, Of course, the commandments about how we interact with God and then the commandments about how we interact with others. So there are several passages where Jesus says it, where he asks the lawyer and he says, you know, this is what it is. And it's like, yep, you've, you've told me right. And that is, first of all, What's the most important commandment is that you love the Lord your God with everything you've got. Throw everything you have at loving God. And the second is like it, to love your neighbour as you love yourself. Now, if we are to love our neighbour as we love ourselves, then we look at, well, how do we love ourselves? We ensure that we have shelter and food and, and all those things. So it's holistic. But we also ensure that we have good relationship one to another with those people in our lives. But we also make sure that we are connected to the true living God. So if we're not making that a priority for others, then are we truly loving them? Because that's part of loving ourselves. And if we are to love our neighbour as we love ourselves, then we will earnestly desire for them to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, great answer. Amen to that. I just love your heart. I'm just just so happy listening to this. You're preaching me happy over this side of the country. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Rodney. So let's Talk about Neil Tomba. I mean, that was a fascinating interview that again talks about this evangelism is not selling a belief system. Tell us about that fascinating interview. Yeah, Neil's a pastor. He's been a pastor for many years and he surveyed people in the church and he found that most people in the church are not sharing faith. You know, this is in his own church. And and so they decided that over the next several years that they would have thousands of intentional conversations with people that would lead them to a point of of considering faith. And so that's what he did. And, And in fact, he decided, if I'm the pastor, I need to lead people in this. And so he did this bike ride right across the U.S., And he went with a couple of friends and he had a a cameraman there so that they could capture some of the conversations, of course, only where appropriate, because he was having a variety of conversations. But his intent was that everywhere that they went, he would have conversations that he could steer towards faith matters. And he had so many of these different conversations where he would just inquire a little about the person and find out where they're at. And suddenly they would start to, to hear 
stories of, of the past where there was connection with faith that was broken and uh, and it was just lovely. I, I want to tell you one of the stories because this is actually after the bike ride where he had spoken to so many people. But he tells the story of going into a shop where there's this lady that he calls Mary and he goes up and, and he's pretty bold by this stage because he's had these conversations right across the US and he says, Mary, how can I pray for you? Is there anything you need prayer for? Now, most of us are probably not at that situation. Uh, we we want to start a, a little bit back from that, but he, he's learned how to do this in a sensitive way. And Mary just snickered at him, which got him curious. And so he says, well, I, I sense that, you know, you, you're not so keen on that. And, and she says, if it makes you feel good to pray, then you go ahead and pray. But that got him more curious. And, and he said, well, you really don't like that idea. And she says, well, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in a higher power. And so instead of going in and debating the existence of God at this point, he says, Mary, I rode my bike across the country and I spoke to a couple of atheists and they both pretty much told me the same thing. They said that they have never felt respected by people of faith. And her whole countenance changed. And and she said, thank you for saying that. She says, that's exactly how I feel. And no one has ever said that to me before. So Neil actually took a physical step back and he said, Mary, I want you to hear this. As a person of faith, I respect you as a person who doesn't believe in a higher power. Immediately her eyes welled up and she just started crying. And she said, when I was a little girl, my parents told me that Christmas is really important in our house. And I told them, well, I don't believe in God. I think I'm an atheist. And they said, fine, you won't get any more Christmas presents until you believe. And that's what she had come from. So by going in and trying to debate, you know, you say you're an atheist, let me show you the proof for God and and going down that belief system immediately would not really have opened up an opportunity. And yet talking about, okay, where did this come from really? Not just, you know, I've looked at the science and in my mind there's no God. It's like, yeah, but where did this come from? And found that there was spiritual hurt back there. And that opened up a a great conversation. So I think we need to be open to that. And it may be hard for those of us of faith to say to someone, I respect the fact that you don't believe in a higher power. But we need to respect someone else's belief if if we're going to expect them to, to really respect ours and to hear us out. We're not saying, oh, look, whatever way you go is fine. But we're saying, okay, I respect you as a person to have the belief that you choose to believe at this point. That is such a moving story, right? Even I've got a tear in my eye listening to that because how moving is that? I mean, you would never expect the person to say that, right? And if we don't make room for people to even share why they believe what they do believe today, whatever that is, and if we don't show them that level of respect and and dignity, that itself is not Christ-like, is it, to do that? No. And I think we've got to realise, and many people throw this up as a as a defence, that you know the church has done some horrible things. And we've got to admit that there have been people within churches that have done some horrible things, and we've heard more and more about that. We know that that's not the way of Jesus. We know that that's not the way he leads. But I want to tell you another one of, of Neil's stories, because he talked to a lady called Sasha, who was managing the hotel where they were staying. Now, Sasha knew that they were videoing some conversations. 
And so she said, I need to talk to you and pointed her finger. I need to talk to you. And he says, that's fine. Let's set it up for tomorrow morning. And the next morning they got together and she had done her hair and makeup. And he says, Sasha, you're looking beautiful. Come on, let's have this conversation. And so they sat down to talk. And when they started talking, he could tell that there had been hurt in a church with Sasha in the past. And she was alluding to some of the awful things that we hate to hear about abuse and and that kind of stuff. She looked at him and she said, so it's really hard to trust. Now, she never actually said that these things happened directly to her, but Neil said, Sasha, this sounds pretty close to you. And she goes, yeah, it is. And I love this bit. He says, Sasha, I just want you to know I'm a pastor and I believe Jesus is for women. He's for children. He's for all people. And I want to ask you something, Sasha. I want to ask you for something right now. As a person who represents other pastors, will you forgive me if you're able to? And I mean, that's when the conversation was able to start. And I just love that, to come in this sense of humility. So often we don't come with humility. Jesus comes in humility. He's God himself, and he chose to humble himself to come to this earth, to go through what he went through, to sacrifice his life for us. And yet so often we don't want to take that humble approach. It's like, we've got the answers. You need to hear about them. And when someone says, let's have a conversation, let me be humble with you, I I think that goes a long way to opening those deeper conversations. Oh, 100%, 100%. What an incredible story. I think personally that it's always better to embody and be Christ to people as an Aussie. The people surrounding me are definitely giving me a don't speak to me, speak to the hand type attitude when I start to say something about Jesus. But as I am him, as I demonstrate him, as I pause and pull myself up many times to not say something, to be careful that I represent Christ well with all of the responses that people get, it's way more effective in the long term. And I'm looking to make disciples, Rodney. I'm not looking to make Mm. converts and to get someone to say yes to Jesus. Do you feel that it's extremely important for believers to really be Christ-like in the world around them and to take that as the leading edge? Absolutely. There is a quote that is attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, and yet it's pretty definitely not him, but where it it said, you know, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. Now, I would say that I agree with that, but with a caveat, because I think it's always necessary to use words, because we need to share the the truth of the gospel in words. But I get what that quote is saying. It's, It's live out a Christian life so that people can see that in your actions. And I guess that's the thing that has always spoken to me. When I have met a Christian who is not only prepared to tell me what they believe and share that with me, but I see them living it out in their life, that's what we call integrity. When we are the same person in front of people as we are on our own, are we living that out? And so whilst that quote is is often used to say, well, well, don't tell people about the gospel, just live it. I don't think that's possible. I think we need to be doing both. But I love the intent of it. Let's live out Christ-likeness in front of people. Let's preach the gospel both with our actions and our words. Yes. 
I interviewed someone recently, Natalia Ozipova in Victoria, who has helped almost 800 Ukrainians that have fled the war. And basically they have just been living out, helping out, being Jesus. And in fact, many, many of them have now come to faith and have become disciples of Christ. And it's an extraordinary story. And for me, it even amplifies what you're saying even further. There is just such a need to, I guess it's up against the hypocrisy that we see more and more of um, that Australian society are encountering. So it's, yeah, it's very, very important. Um, Look, I'm mindful of our time today. Have you got something else that you want to share that really speaks to this, you know, that we're not selling a belief system when it comes to evangelism? I think I would just come back to to that commandment because Jesus says, hey, this is the most important, that you throw everything you have at loving God. That that means with our, with our heart, with our mind, uh, with our strength. And, and we see that, as I say, again and again throughout Scripture, both in Old and New Testament, to throw everything we have at loving God. And then we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. But that comes from the love that God pours into us. If we're not doing this out of a sense of love, but we're doing this out of a sense of duty, it's not loving our neighbour as we love ourselves. If we feel I've got to, to get another notch on the belt to say another person has made a decision or, or another person has come to church, then it's not loving. How do we truly love that person? And as hard as it might be to say, I'm going to love you whether you accept Christ or not. I dearly want you to accept Christ because I know that he is the hope for eternity. I know that he has such a, an amazing plan for your life. But even if you don't accept that, I'm going to love you. And I think that's it. That is the key, loving our neighbor as we love ourselves, to be able to, to share those, those beliefs in a way that actually works for that person rather than here's the list of things that I want to tell you. I think that's it. We do that in a loving way. We seek our neighbors. And, and as the, the, uh, the story of the, the Good Samaritan tells us, our neighbor is anyone that, that God brings in front of our path. That's everyone we meet. That's everyone that we connect with online, offline, whatever it may be. We're called to love them. Amen. I love that. I feel so challenged by what you're saying. Thank you. So I just want to encourage you today to um, go and check out bleedingdaylight.net. Amazing episodes to listen to. But I'm going to drop all of that information in the show notes as well. And I'll also link to these specific stories that Rodney's been sharing with us today. So Rodney, thank you so much for the reminder that evangelism is not selling a belief system. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for the opportunity and thanks for what you're doing in seeking to share the gospel in the most effective way so that more people know about Jesus. Thanks so much for listening to the Win Win Evangelism podcast today. If this was helpful for you, please share it with others so they can learn also. If you, your small group or your church would like to upskill more in personal evangelism, learn how it can be easy, natural and not forced, why don't you check out our online free sample course on missionwithgod.com forward slash free sample. I trust that our podcast and our online personal evangelism course can be a blessing to you. Thanks for listening and see you next time.